uh, will be in verses 1 through 18. And, uh, you know, this God is... God has uh, done a work uh, through Peter. God, the divine arranger, he has orchestrated bringing the gospel to the Gentiles, specifically Cornelius, who was a centurion, meaning he was in the Roman army, and he had like 100 men under him. Uh, He was a well-respected uh, military guy, and um, and we're going to look at the aftermath of the Gentiles, specifically Cornelius's house, which would have included his family, uh, would have included any servants there, and possibly friends or neighbors. Um, and we want to look at that. That's uh, right there in front of us there in Acts chapter 11. As uh, Peter brings a report uh, from Caesarea, which is where Cornelius was situated. Caesarea, a highly Roman uh, city. Lots of Gentiles. And Peter's going to take the news of what God has done in the house of Cornelius. He's going to take it to Jerusalem and uh, convey this event to the brethren in Judea. So why don't we read all 18 verses? There's some things that come up in this that are interesting. Uh, There's going to be, you know, Peter's going to recount what happened. And he'll introduce a couple things that are, that we haven't been introduced to as yet. And uh, we'll just see how that unfolds. But it's it's interesting uh, what takes place here. So beginning there in verse 1, and we'll read on down. Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him. So that means basically challenged Peter on what had taken place with the Gentiles. And this is what they said there in verse 3. You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. What are we doing? I mean, they just cannot believe this has taken place. But Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in orderly sequence, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. And when I had fixed my gaze on it and was observing it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beasts and the crawling creatures and the birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, 
By no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice from heaven answered a second time. What God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. This happened three times and everything was drawn back up into the sky. And behold, at that moment, three men appeared at the house in which we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. The Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. These six brethren also went with me, and we entered the man's house. And he reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, send to Joppa and have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here. And he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. The word of the Lord. We'll pick it up there. Uh, there's some, some things here. First, the challenge with regard to God bringing the gospel uh, to these Gentiles. So up to now, most of the people were Jews who had heard the gospel and received it. Not all of them. We have previous record that there were some included even on the day of Pentecost, some Gentiles in the mix. We have an Ethiopian later on. What's different about this I think, is God's intent to do a work among the Gentiles. Not just, a, not just a here and there, not just, you know, one or two scattered, but a major work through the Gentiles. So God orders his apostle, Peter, who was... The one speaking on the day of Pentecost, and now Peter it is, pops up again in Caesarea at the house of Cornelius. And he is the one speaking to the Gentiles concerning the gospel, concerning Jesus. Uh, and he's challenged. Word had gotten out, there it is in verse 1, through the brethren who were throughout Judea. I heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. Now, this is just unheard of. I mean, if they're going to be Christian, 
how much Judaism do they need to reflect to be in fellowship? Can they be in the same church? Can they sit down at the same table and eat? Because there were different rules. Hmm. Interesting. How's that going to work out? And Peter just begins to recount what God had done. In verse 2, and when. So Peter intentionally goes to Jerusalem in order to resolve the issue. He says, those who were circumcised took issue with him. So that's the Jewish believers. And they take issue with him. They're not happy. In fact, that last, let's see. Yeah, there it is. That last verse in verse 18. When they heard this, speaking of those Jewish believers, those converts, they quieted down. So they were, they were causing quite a ruckus. They were wondering how all this fits together. And they're taking issue with Peter. Basically, Peter, I mean, what are you doing? You let this happen? You're one of us, right? And they said, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. This was anathema from a Jewish perspective. They weren't, they weren't supposed to do that. You stay away from those Gentiles. The Gentiles are unclean. You're clean. They're unclean. And if you sit down and eat with them, uh, you're going to be unclean. So that's the accusation. You went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them. And he did. So Peter begins to recount uh, God's work. And this is, I think it's really instructive for us. You know, when challenged not to uh, throw down the gauntlet, but just to explain or express what God is doing. What's God doing? And just put it in simple terms. Um, So he began speaking. He proceeded to explain to them in orderly sequence. And he takes them right through. I was in the city of Joppa praying. He certainly was. Staying there with Simon the Tanner. Uh, He had, I think uh, we read where he had performed a couple miracles or God did a couple miracles through him. The man, Aeneas, and then the young lady. And he's saying he was praying and he had this trance. He saw a vision and an object. It was coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky. And it came right down, he says, to me. And when I had fixed my gaze on it and was observing it, I saw four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beasts and the crawling creatures and the birds of the air. And I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. This is you know, further evidence. Peter's a Jew and he's, he's observed these food laws. But a voice came from heaven. A, a voice from heaven. 
an answered a second time. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. That's, that's earth-shaking news. You know, in the past, you could only eat this, this, and this, but now it's all clean. So Peter's telling the story. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. This happened, Peter says, three times. Everything was drawn back up into the sky. And behold, he says, at that moment, three men appeared at the house in which we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. The spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. Don't give it a second thought. Go with them. These six brethren. Now, this is some new information. Before, we were told that he was accompanied, but we weren't told by how many. And it is significant that there are six brethren plus one means seven were, were there as witnesses to what God was doing. In Roman law, uh, I'm told that there had to be six signatures to validate a will. So for any Roman out there, there's your, there's your seven. Did I say six or seven? I said six. There had to be seven. Sorry about that. Six plus one, seven. Had to be seven witnesses. Boy, boy. You know where I went to high school. I always told them I went. So there had to be seven witnesses. And seven witnesses there are. There's six plus Peter. And there it is. And I think that's for the, that's for the Gentiles. I think that... That helps them. I mean, would God really come to us? Would we really be part of this, uh, this God's uh, saving grace and mercy? He would, he would allow us. He would, he would reveal his mercy and grace to us. Um, there's the seven. So, the Bible says that these six brethren went with Peter. And it says, we entered the man's house. Now, in this recounting, uh, Cornelius is not mentioned. He's not mentioned. Peter never mentions his name. And that gives some people, you know, I guess it gives them some anxiety reading. Why wouldn't Peter uh, talk about Cornelius? Well, uh, it's, it's really not about Cornelius at this point. He's... he's it's a matter of principle. It's a matter of what God is doing. And this had more to do uh, with uh, the Gentiles than it did just one man and one his house. Although that's certainly where it started. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. That he's just recounting it a different way. Leaving the man's name out. And he reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house. And saying, send to Joppa and have Simon, who is called Peter, who is also called Peter, brought here. We remember that from the story in chapter 10. And he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household. And as I began to speak, 
The Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord. How he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I think that's Luke 3.19, I believe. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I? That I could stand in God's way. And when they heard this, they quieted down. There it is. They became silent and and glorified God, saying, well, then God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Just a beautiful, um, really a beautiful conclusion to what God had done among the Gentiles with the Jews there in Judea receiving this good word from Peter. I think that is, uh, that's just remarkable. So let's look for just a, a few minutes here. Let's go back to Acts 2. What does this mean? Well, you look at the day of Pentecost and then the aftermath of that. It's a verse I continue to go to. It's, uh, you know, what was, what was the church like back then? What, uh, you know, how does the church of today, how should we resonate with the church back then? Well, having received Jesus, having received the word, having uh, received repentance leading to life. Okay. Right there in verse 42, they were They there are the church people. They're the believers. They're the ones who have heard the word of Peter. They're the ones who have been baptized. They're the ones who have received the Holy Spirit. What were they doing? The Bible says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And so what God had done in the house of Cornelius opens the door for the Gentiles to join the Jewish believers in the life of the church. In the life of the church. They're not to be two groups anymore. They're one group. They're one in Christ. And that is just a, it's, it's a beautiful thing to be able to receive Jesus the free pardon of sin, but thinking about the next steps, being baptized in water as an expression of your public testimony of Christ, and then taking part in the church. Um, I think that's a, it's a powerful statement there in verse 42 of what a believer, the heart of a believer, to be involved with other believers um, is, is mightily important. Continually devoting themselves. The apostles' teaching. Well, we have the apostles' teaching before us. We have what Peter preached in Acts 2 and Acts 10, 11. Uh, We have this in front of us. And then fellowship, to be part of that fellowship, 
encouraging one another, praying for one another, serving one another, uh, on and on. The breaking of bread and prayer, communion, uh, remembering Jesus through the bread and the cup, the, the fruit of the vine, and then to prayer, corporate prayer taking place is um, wonderful. And this, this chapter 10, God's dealing with Cornelius and Caesarea and his house opens the door for the Gentiles to uh, receive Jesus and be in the church. And there are no, there are no quote unquote second class citizens. We're all on level ground, whether Jewish believer or Gentile believer in Jesus. So back to, back to 11. We'll conclude with the last statement uh, in verse 18 that they're just laid out for us. When they heard this, they would be the Jewish believers. They quieted down and glorified God. So they, they calmed down. They became silent. They glorified God. And they said something. And this is what they said. They said, well then, based on what Peter has told them, God, there it is, God has granted to the Gentiles also, not only us, but also the Gentiles, not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles, the repentance that leads to life. So you have a couple statements here that really reflect salvation. It just uses different terminology. In verse 1, right there, where it says uh, there in verse 1, heard, they heard that the Gentiles also had what? Received the word of God. Over here in verse 18, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. In referring to salvation, we don't always use the same terminology. Sometimes we use justification, we're justified by faith. Other times we say, you're born again. We were born again. Um, but it, it reflects the same work of salvation. That God does in us. Here they say repentance that leads to life. Uh, they're turning from a futile lifestyle. And they're turning toward Christ. And they receive his life. The next time we're together, we'll, um, we'll proceed from verse 19 and go to the end of the chapter the church at Antioch, and we will eventually uh, get into uh, Paul's travels. And we're looking forward to that.
Father in heaven, we thank you for the time together. We thank you for your word. God, it's so good to know that it really isn't about ethnicity or skin color. It's just about your work of grace and the fact that in Adam, we all die. But in Christ, we're all made alive. Lord, thank you for including Gentiles. And thank you for including the Jews in this great salvation that you offer. Uh, We give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.